Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. What's good ahead of the best 60 minutes of your day? We couldn't ask for a better start to the World Series. What do the Dodgers and Astros have in store for us tonight? The year-long wait is almost over for the rematch between Penn State and Ohio State. We'll take you to Columbus and explain how JT Barrett could catch Saquon Barkley in the Heisman race. And I might have to take some shots at the folk who think Joe Flacco is somehow at fault for getting concussed by Kiko Alonso last night. Here is a look at tonight's 6 at 6. Uh, later, a candid conversation with Jaguar star cornerback Jalen Ramsey. And we go live to Houston, check in with Justin Verlander. Now, the NFL thought they had a problem with protests during the national anthem. Uh, now, thanks to one owner, one team had a prison break, so to speak. Uh, two days before that game at Seattle, some Texas players walked out in response to owner Bob McNair saying, quote, we can't have the inmates running the prison during last week's owners' meetings about ongoing player demonstrations during the national anthem. About 10 players, including star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, left the facility Friday, a source told Sarah Barshop. Now, while Texans coach Bill O'Brien said Hopkins was taking a personal day, sources told Adam Schefter, whom you'll hear from in a moment, that Hopkins' absence was directly related to McNair's comment. Most of the players who left returned to the facility, the source said, and the remaining players were talked out of their protests by the coaching staff. Now, McNair, who, according to the report in ESPN magazine, apologized to league executive and former player Troy Vincent personally at the meeting, said today in a statement, quote, I regret that I use that expression. I never meant to offend anyone, and I was not referring to our players. I used a figure of speech that was never intended to be taken literally. I would never characterize our players or our league that way, and I apologize to anyone who was offended by it. I'm really here, Aaron, to talk about Seattle. I'm 100% with these players. Uh, our coaching staff's 100% behind these players. And uh, if you have Seattle questions, that's what I'm here to talk about, with all due respect. Is his absence related to the comments? No, just uh, I'm not going to – again, I'm, I'm really just focused on the game. Do you guys have any Seattle? It's all it, – there's a couple guys had personal, personal days today. We've had a long week coming off the bye, so we practiced uh, on Monday and had an extra practice. So a couple guys needed to take care of some things. A lot of players, uh, including myself, um, we put our bodies and minds on the line every time we step on that field. And to use an analogy of inmates in a prison, uh, I said it's disrespectful. When you read the comments, did it seem to fly in the face of who you thought he was and the way that he's behaved, or did it confirm maybe some feelings or suspicions that you had? I haven't seen anything quite like that, um, but I can't say I'm surprised. I'm sure there's a lot of owners that feel that way. Did you guys consider walking out? Did you guys have to be talked into practicing today? Were you guys considering some action? Yeah, I mean, when it happened, you know, there's a thousand emotions going through your mind, and obviously one emotion is just to leave the building completely. Um, but we decided to go to work. You know, the situation is not over. And it's something that we'll reconvene and talk about again. 
All right, the NFL Players Association's Executive Director, Demara Smith, has released the following statement. Our men are working Americans like anyone else. No one has the right to define them as anything less than a person. That is what this has always been about, close quote. Adam Schefter, we just heard Bill O'Brien try to shift the focus to the game. Uh, But how bad is this inside the Texans facility, and for that matter, across the league? Michael, we've never seen anything like this. I would venture to say that right now the league is on fire. That may be over-dramatizing it. I don't think so. I don't think we've ever seen a scene where players were leaving the facility en masse and had to be brought back in because they were so enraged over the comments that an owner made at a time when everything was already incredibly sensitive and delicate. This is almost unprecedented. In fact, it is unprecedented. And we've got a situation where we've gone through a season where there have been tipping points where this situation has gotten inflamed after President Trump's comments in Alabama, after Vice President Pence walked out of the Colts game after Jerry Jones said he was going to require the players to stand for the anthem. This may be as explosive as any of those because those players in that organization are upset and players across the league are upset. And the scab that had been developed has now been picked off. Mm. And now we're going to wait and see what the fallout of all this is. It's not just going to go away. Now, again, the Texans players came back to the facility. They are scheduled to leave Saturday for Seattle, and there are Seahawks players also upset. What's going to happen here? We're going to find out. But again, this is the latest incident that has inflamed an already sensitive and delicate situation, Michael. All right, Adam Schefter with the latest. Get back to the phone, man. It sounds like the story is just beginning. Now, players across the league took to social media to express their disappointment with Bob McNair's remarks. Or rather, leagues, I should say. Because first, Draymond Green ripped McNair on Instagram. And then he expanded on those thoughts at Warriors Shootaround. There's Marshall Newhouse bringing some levity to it. But here's Draymond Green uh, from Warriors Shootaround. I wouldn't personally want to play for someone who viewed me as an inmate. Because I haven't done nothing in my life to be an inmate. Some people comment on my post saying it's a figure of speech. I mean, agree or disagree, figure of speeches aren't okay in 2017. If I come out and give a figure of speech on anything, whether that's race, whether that's sexual orientation, whatever that is, if I come out and give a figure of speech in 2017, I'm going to get ridiculed by any group that's formed to protect one's group. I'm going to be fined by the NBA. I'm going to be looked at ridiculously by the community. So why is that okay? All right, Seth Wickersham is here with me now. He, along with Don Van Atta Jr., uh, authored this piece in ESPN the magazine. Seth, first up, uh, did you realize that Bob McNair's quote would become this big of a deal? No, I didn't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I knew that it would get some attention. Spoke to the Texans a couple days ago, you know, and said, look, this is what my reporting shows. And, you know, to McNair's credit, he never tried to deny it. And I think he felt horrible. And, you know, he had told me that he went and apologized to Troy Vincent and, you know, felt like that it wasn't to be taken literally. I knew that it would get some attention, but like I had no idea that Draymond Green said what he said. You know, it 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 resonated. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I knew this was too good to be true. All the kumbaya they were singing after these meetings. Because <laughs> these owners aren't so sincere, and I'm going to say it in a the collective. These owners aren't so sincere that they're willing to 
move through this process with the priority being principle and not profit. This is a business meeting. And this is not something that just can simply be negotiated. And the thing that really, you know, I can't decide, and I've met Mr. McNair. I know Mr. McNair, you know Mr. Mm -hmm. McNair. Very pleasant guy, he's done a lot of fine things in the community. Um, The thing that I just can't decide is whether or not I wouldn't prefer that it was an unfortunate pun, that it was intentional, as opposed to perhaps a Freudian slip. Because it really gives you, as many have pointed out, insight into the thinking of a lot of these owners. I mean, how tone deaf can you be at a meeting that was that originated with protests about police brutality and criminal justice reform to say we can't have the inmates running the prison of all things? And so all I want people to do is when our instinct is to, you know, understand that this was an unfortunate slip of the tongue. Anytime anybody, a player, college or pro Seth, suggest or, or, or likens playing football or professional sports to slavery in any way whatsoever, or say the plantation, people ripped in the shreds to Draymond Green's point. And you have an owner likening it to, even if he meant inmates running the asylum, which certainly wouldn't be as bad, that is a figure of speech, saying we can't have the inmates running the prison, it goes to show they're not partners and they're not equals in this. No. And, you know, I think that this is going to undo a lot of work that was done. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, look, this was a big comprehensive story. And there were things that Jerry Jones said in the story. There were things that Dan Snyder said. There were things that Terry Pagula said that were tone deaf as well. Yep. And I mean, nobody is talking about any of those things right. because this McNair thing has completely taken over. Well, let me ask you about the owners real quick because you, Jerry Jones got the hard line stance. Daniel Snyder has got the opposite of hard evidence by saying 96% of people want them to stand. And then you have Jed York, who's way more enlightened when it comes to these issues, having dealt with it you know, from the start with Colin Kaepernick. If they can't bridge the gap among one another, how are they ever going to find common ground if that exists with the players? What's the solution? What, is, what does a solution look like? What the players None that makes everybody happy. Well, what the pro- players are protesting are things that are well beyond the control of anybody in the NFL to fix them. Now, they right. can do a lot of things to do that, and I think there's a sincere effort to try to do that. You know, in the players and owners meeting that Roger Goodell presided over, the players felt like that Roger took their side and had more empathy with their situation than a lot of league executives and a lot of owners. It was a really surprising development. I mean, he was going around the table telling the owners, you're really not listening to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. It was a fascinating meeting. And then, you know, the the meeting the next day that was the owners-only meeting where Jerry talked, where McNair talked, that's where a lot of true colors came out. Well, that's why I think Russell Okun is is, is correct in that are they really serious about sacrificing – when it comes to their business partners, their advertisers, their sponsors, the goodwill that it would take to really get on the side of the players for whom the prison system, first of all, the prison system is, is it's an extension of yeah. slavery and indentured servitude, right? And for a lot of these guys, this is personal because you know what an inmate is to DeAndre Hopkins who walked out? You know what an inmate is? An inmate is the woman that's serving 20 years in prison for pouring boiling chemicals on his mother, okay? His mother is blind in her right eye and has 60% vision in her left eye. He was 10 years old when that happened. So when you refer to these players as inmates, given what they put on the line, that's not something they could just say, oh, that was a mistake. Let's move forward here. This is going to have, to Adam's point, lasting ramifications. So I, you know what I expect? Talk about a solution. It may not be a solution. I expect in the offseason for there to be a change to the owner's manual or the operations manual. Excuse me. I know that's what the NFL Players Association is bracing for. So well, well done out of you as usual, Seth. We appreciate the Thanks, time. Man. Thank you. All right. In game one, we got a pitcher performance from Clayton Kershaw, unmatched in World Series history. In Game 2, we got an instant classic, a back-and-forth thriller, in many ways also unmatched in World Series history, with five homers and extra innings. What do the Dodgers and Astros possibly have in store for us tonight in Houston? Astros 6-0 at home this postseason. Only two other teams have ever won 
seven in a row at home in the postseason and both won the World Series. So there's that. There are your lineups for tonight. The Dodgers elect not to use the DH spot on Corey Seager despite his back issues. Uh, he'll start at short uh, with NLCS hero Kike Hernandez getting the call at DH over Andre Ethier. And speaking of DHing, uh, Evan Gattis gets his first start. Evan Gattis gets his first start of the World Series. Otherwise, it's the same eight position players that we've seen for Houston in the first two games. Pedro Gomez is in Houston. So Dave Roberts, Pedro, doesn't regret how he used his bullpen in game two. What about tonight? <laughs> well, it's going to be a little different. Uh, one of the things he said is, Kenley Jansen, he thinks, will only go three innings. He said, now he did qualify it with probably, but don't expect Jansen to go more than that. But listen, Michael, the whole thing really revolves around how well you Darvish does tonight because if he goes deep into the game, all of a sudden you can shorten that Dodger bullpen, maybe get Brendan Morrow in the eighth, maybe get Kenley Jansen in the ninth, things like that. Maybe Kenta Maeda might have to bridge an inning or so in there. But really, it's up to Darvish. Now, Darvish is very familiar with this ballpark because he spent all those years with the Texas Rangers. So he's made six career starts here. And, Michael, he's 4-1 and one with an ERA just above two. So he has pitched very, very well here. It's very comfortable in this stadium. By the way, the roof will be closed tonight. This is a park that also plays about in the middle of the pack when it comes to home runs. But hitters like hitting in this ballpark. Pedro, have you been peeking at my scripts? We appreciate it, man. Our 24-year-old Lance McCullers, uh, who tossed four scoreless innings in relief in Houston's pennant-clinching win over the Yankees, is 13-4 with a 2-3-5 ERA, including the postseason for his career at Minute Maid Park. His counterpart tonight, Hugh Darvish, also right at home at Minute Maid Park, as Pedro mentioned, 4-1 with a 2-1-6 ERA and six starts in Houston, all as a member of the Texas Rangers. And you'll recall back in 2013, he had a perfect game broken up with two out in the ninth. Jessica Mendoza here to talk about the guys on the hill tonight. So let me put you on the spot, Jess. Who would you rather have? Right off the bat? Like, right off, the, right off the bat. How's it going? How's your night? How are you? Good to see you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. We kind of okay, pressed for time because right. I talk too much. Uh, who would you rather have on your side tonight, Darvish or McCullers? McCullers Jr. And, yeah. and Darvish, you know, I feel good about him because him in a Dodgers uniform is even different than in a Rangers uniform. I think it's better. He's shown that. He's eliminated two pitches from his repertoire. I feel like it's made him stronger. Less is more, huh? Yeah, less is more. Especially with him. He had seven pitches. Come on, go with five. Be great. But McCullers Jr., uh, and this has been talked about, but he threw 24 straight curveballs to end the, the series to get them to the World Series against the Yankees. Let me repeat that. 24 straight curveballs. I mean, let's just rewind through this and look at how different he threw this pitch, the depth, the velocity, him being able to mix in and challenge the Yankees to say, you're sitting fastball, hit one of these, and I will change. But until you do, I am going to stick with this game plan. That tells you a lot, not just that he's got a really good curveball. But, Michael, honestly, it tells you a lot about the guts that he has. This is a young pitcher that wants the ball. And he showed right there against the Yankees to get them to the World Series that he has this ability to go after guys in very unique ways, ways that have never been done. So he's my guy. I know he's not the name of yeah. Darvish, but yeah. Nicole Jr., look, at, look out. Wow. Yeah. Came with the fastball. I, well, you came with the heat. You came with the high yeah, heat. Just like asking me questions, but I mean. I love it. Yeah. Appreciate it, yeah. Justin. After putting on a show in primetime last Saturday, Saquon Barkley and his 211.1 to be exact all-purpose yards per game are back to being the Vegas Heisman favorite. Entering the week, he's the only FBS player with at least 250 yards rushing, receiving, and kickoff returns this season. And he scored a touchdown in 14 straight games going back to the Ohio State game. Meanwhile, JT Barrett has bounced back nicely. Since the Oklahoma loss September 9th, leading the FBS in total QBR and 22 touchdowns responsible for with no turnovers. Let's turn it over to college game day 
For more on Barrett's turnaround, Maria Taylor. Thanks, Mike. At the shoe, it'll be about division titles, conference titles, and college football playoff berths as Penn State rolls in to take on Ohio State in a top 10 Big Ten matchup. We are right across the street um, here at Woody Hayes Drive. It's there. Maria yeah. Taylor, David Pollock, Desmond Howard. And we know the stars are going to come out for a big game. Yeah. One star we didn't see the last time there was a big game at Ohio Stadium is JT Barrett. But right. since then, Des, yes. he leads the nation in total and raw QBR right. in the last five games. Balling. Yeah, he's balling. Right? He's been on fire balling. in meaningless games. Oh. Now, oh. you go back to the meaningful <laughs> games. Let's go back to last season. Take they me back, Des. Take East me back. Lansing, they played Michigan State. Squeaked by with a 17-16 victory. JT wasn't special in that game. They played Michigan in the shoe. Double overtime. JT wasn't the difference in that game. And then the playoff game against Clemson. 31-0, I think. Zero, yes. So it's safe to say he wasn't big in that game. And then the other game we had earlier in the year, Oklahoma came to town seeking revenge. We know what happened in that game, too. So in the big games, I have yet to see JT become the difference maker. So why would I think against Penn State in the horseshoe tomorrow night, he's going – well, tomorrow afternoon, yeah. I guess, 3.30 yeah. kick, he's going to be a difference maker again. I have to see it, Maria and David, to believe it. And, and to think about, too, the possibility of having to go tick for tack. Because yeah. I, I, I don't think this is a 17-16 game. I, oh, I think Saquon oh. – Trace McSorley, Penn State, that offense, that special teams, they're, they're special. They can make plays, and he's going to have to score. And Dez is right. I mean, we've seen JT. JT's been at his best throughout his 17-year career when he's had great <laughs> wide receivers, yeah, great yeah. running backs, great people around him right. to be great. Can he step up and be great in the moment? I know he's a great leader. I know he's a great kid. Right. Can he be a great performer here in the shoe this I week? I think JT yeah. actually hosted Kirk Herbstreit on his recruiting visit here. I think he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, JT Barrett, we'll see what he has. He hasn't thrown for less than 200 yards since he's played Oklahoma. Well, if you're going to join us for College Game Day, you're in for a treat. Brian Kelly sits down with Tom Rinaldi to discuss Notre Dame's 6-1 start this season. Then we explain how Kyle Kemp has come out of nowhere to become the spark plug that Iowa State has needed this season, and it's a battle for redemption right here in Columbus. Penn State got the win last year, but Ohio State earned the playoff berth. What's on tap for this matchup? It's all coming your way on game day, 9 a.m. Eastern on ESPN or stream it live on the ESPN app. All right, including last year's upset of then second-ranked Ohio State, Penn State is 16-1 over its last 17 games with the loss coming in the Rose Bowl. So in addition to beating the Buckeyes in back-to-back seasons, Nittley Lions looking to beat Michigan and Ohio State in back-to-back weeks, something only one other team has done in the last half century, the 08 Nittany Lions. Marty Smith is in Columbus. Marty, the 2016 Nittany Lions got the short end of the stick when it comes to beating Ohio State, winning the Big Ten, and yet still being left out of the playoffs and settling for the Rose Bowl, settling for the Rose Bowl. So, Marty, Penn State probably feels like it has a point to prove, but how much is revenge on the minds of the Buckeyes? Uh, Quite a bit, Michael, and to quote Urban Meyer, hell yeah, it is. They went into (laughs) Beaver Stadium last year, and according to Sam Hubbard, the great defensive end here at Ohio State, he said, we underestimated them, we didn't respect them, and we took winning for granted, and they went in there and got their tails kicked. That is going to be on every single one of those players' minds tomorrow afternoon here at the Horseshoe. I promise you, now, as the week has progressed, they've tried to come off of that in their commentary to the media, but don't believe it. Revenge is a very real factor for the Ohio State Buckeyes tomorrow here in Columbus, Ohio. All right, good stuff out of you as always, Marty Smith. We appreciate it, man. Enjoy it. 
opponents have an even tougher time with the Astros in Houston where they are 6-0 this postseason. Both the Dodgers and Astros will certainly have a tough time topping game two, but I wouldn't put it past these two teams, Carl Ravitch. Thank you. Welcome to Minute Maid Park. The World Series now in Houston where the Astros are a perfect 6-0 in this postseason. It will be very loud and unlike the fans in Los Angeles who are rooting for the team in blue, they'll be rooting for the guys wearing the orange tonight, including Jose Altuve taking his swings out there. You got Yasiel Puig who's playing with the rubber snake, which to the surprise of no one, it's Yasiel Puig who's got a rubber snake around his neck. I'd like to be a fly on the wall or a fly on the shoulder of Justin Verlander right there as he and Clayton Kershaw converse about their starts in games one and game two. And the great news is we can ask him right now because Justin Verlander joins David Ross, Mark Teixeira, and me, Carl Ravitch. But what was that about? Just, hey, you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. Like, what, what was that about? <laughs> yeah, just saying hi. You know, we had a chance to talk a little bit in Detroit uh, in the regular season when they were there. And, uh, I mean, honestly, we were talking about maybe catching up at a Cowboys game in the offseason. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's tell a me, better spot here. Spot. <laughs> yeah. tell, tell me what it's like to watch somebody like that do his craft because I know you're such a perfectionist yeah. with yours. Uh, you know, it's really amazing. Uh, you know, it's kind of tough because we don't get to see them. I don't get to see him pitch that right. often, uh, being on the West Coast, being in the National League. So uh, whenever I have the opportunity to see him pitch, you know, it's just uh, kind of watching. You know, I think you can pick something up from anybody, no matter who it is, and that can help that can help your craft. So I'm watching everybody closely, but especially him. He's been one of the best in the game for a long time, and yeah. it's a lot of fun to watch. I love how well you do watch the game, and it was evident the other night when you came back out we're yelling at the boys. What were you saying at the boys? <laughs> and, and PG it up for me, but, <laughs> yeah. but what were you saying to these guys? You know, just trying to get them fired up. I know it was, uh, it was a big spot in the game where, uh, you know, the emotions, the roller coaster of emotions, as you know, can get so high, and then if things don't go your way, they can come crashing down in a hurry. So... You know, just reminding these guys that, hey, we're still in this. We can score runs. We got one of the best lineups in all of baseball. Let's not forget that, and let's go battle. How, how popular are you in this clubhouse right now? Because they <laughs> traded for you at, at the end of August, and you almost single-handedly brought the team through the, the, the ALCS against the Yankees. I mean, that's got to be so much even more fun this time around, bringing the team to the World Series. You know, I, it, it, this is a lot of fun. You know, I, I think, you know, I... It wasn't single-handedly by any means. I think it was just the right puzzle piece at the right time. Uh, from top to bottom of this organization, from ownership through everybody in the clubhouse, they made me feel welcome, I mean, right away. It, it was really incredible, and, uh, I mean, really, these guys have made my job easy. I mean, behind me, the defense is incredible. They score runs all the time. I mean, as a starting pitcher, you can't ask for more than that. So, But to help them, uh, you, know, to, you know, to pitch that way and help them get to this point, I mean, it really makes it special. Are you a voracious reader of books? Because I understand that whatever the manual that they gave you with all the analytics and sabermetrics, <laughs> like you've eaten the way Rossi attacks Captain Crunch. Like, <laughs> is that how it's been? And what have you got from that? Uh, you know, I, I, they, they have a wealth of information here. And I think, um, you know, throughout my career, especially in the last four or five years, uh, I've really started adapting more to, to, to just analyzing more information. And, you know, I, I, I think you'd be... You'd be naive not to not to use what they have here. So and there's a lot of different aspects that they that they utilize that I think could help me that I've never seen before. So I started utilizing them, and, right. I, and I still really I don't think I've quite uh, got it all figured out. But you know, we we joked after I think my first start with some of the analytics guys, I might have been the first guy to ever come over and ask for more information right, than what right. they gave. Right. Yeah, this is a less information table. You're a more information guy. This is my kind of table, This then. is a good table. Hey, thanks very much. Continued success. Thank you, guys. Justin Verlander. Great to have him here tonight. Verlander, of course, so outstanding for the Astros in Game 2. And now you take a look at the numbers for you, Darvish. And this is one of the reasons that Darvish actually went to Dave Roberts and said, 
I'd be really comfortable starting game three. I like pitching at Minute Maid Park. His ERA is the best when it comes to road ballparks. You see his whip. You see his strikeout to walk ratio. This is a kid, guys, that has been pitching and been on the big stage in Japan since he was about 17. So the idea that there may be nerves associated with it, he's at least been exposed to a lot of this stuff. Yeah, like you said, he's been in this division. He's faced this lineup. And the way he's pitching right now is phenomenal. He's kind of bagged the fastball and how much he's used the fastball and gone to the cutter in fastball counts. He's thrown his slider more. He's got that big loopy breaking ball and a great changeup. His stuff is really late biting, whether it is the curveball or it's the, the sinker right there, as you see. I mean, that's 97 he's got in the tank. You see here a nice slider that looks like it's going to be more depth than the, than the curveball, and it just doesn't happen. The ball explodes out of his hand and bites at the plate. And Lance McCullers is one of those guys that he may not have the amount of pitches that Darvish has, but his best pitch is just as nasty, and that's that curveball. He threw that curveball the last 24 pitches against the Yankees in Game 7 of the ALCS, and it was nasty. He was getting swings and misses. He was getting guys frozen, and 76% of those yeah. pitches in four innings were curveballs. See if that works again in Game 3. David Ross, Mark Teixeira, I'm Carl Ravitch. They are ready. They've been waiting since 2005 for a World Series to come back to Houston. I'm really here, Aaron, to talk about Seattle. I'm 100% with these players. Uh, our coaching staff's 100% behind these players. And uh, if you have Seattle questions, that's what I'm here to talk about, with all due respect. Is his absence related to the comments? No, just, uh, I'm not going to, again, I'm, I'm really just focused on the game. Do you guys have any Seattle? It's all, it, there's a couple guys had personal personal days today. We've had a long week coming off the bye, so we practiced uh, on Monday and had an extra practice. So a couple guys needed to take care of some things. A lot of players, uh, including myself, um, we put our bodies and minds on the line every time we step on that field. And to use an analogy of inmates in a prison, uh, I said it's disrespectful. When you read the comments, did it seem to fly in the face of who you thought he was and the way that he's behaved, or did it confirm maybe some feelings or suspicions that you had? I haven't seen anything quite like that, um, but I can't say I'm surprised. I'm sure there's a lot of owners that feel that way. Did you guys consider walking out? Did you guys have to be talking to practicing today? Were you guys considering some action? Yeah, I mean, when it happened, you know, there's a thousand emotions going through your mind, and obviously one emotion is just to leave the building completely. Um, but we decided to go to work. You know, the situation is not over. And it's something that we'll reconvene and talk about again. Dwayne Brown left a holdout and walked into a crisis. Um, so anyway, most of the players who left returned to the facility. And the remaining players, they were talked out of their protest by the coaching staff. The expectation now is that all the players will be there with the team Saturday when it is scheduled to leave for Seattle. So earlier, I asked Jaguars cornerback Jalen Ramsey for his thoughts on Texans owner Bob McNair saying we can't have the inmates running the prison during last week's owners' meetings about ongoing anthem negotiate anthem demonstrations. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't agree agree with his comments. Um, you know, I kind of agree with what Richard Sherman said, though. Uh, I mean, he he was candid with it, straight out there with it. At least we know how he feels about it now, um, and everybody can take it as they will, have their own opinions on it, and go with it. But I definitely don't agree with what he's saying. Um, what he's saying is 
you know, basically saying that they're better than us yeah. and, you know, that we're, we're nothing. So uh, that's not true. We do a lot for the game. We do a lot. I mean, that's, that's, that's tough. I just don't feel like he thought about that. How does that make you feel? He's not the person who writes your checks. You're not employed right. by the Texans, but still one of the 32 men exactly. who, you know, it's crazy. oversee it, it, the game, oversee being an inappropriate word, I guess, in this conversation. Yeah. But you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what like, you're when you hear that, how does that make you feel just as a man? Uh, not good at all. It, make, it really makes me think uh, if others think that as well. Um, but, but at least I know that he thinks that now. Mm-hmm. So my views on him and the Houston Texans is... It is what it is. Yeah. When it comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, your employer, uh, you know, Shah Khan, has been front and center with this issue as well. Reportedly mm-hmm. donated to the Donald Trump campaign. Yeah. You guys were arm in arm in London, had some harsh criticism for the president. Mm-hmm. And then even when you guys came back, I believe your organization or representatives, representatives of your organization apologized to local military members yeah. for that demonstration uh, overseas. Uh, where are you guys as an organization when it comes to this issue as a locker room? Uh, yeah, we're in a sticky situation because we're, um, we're in a military-based city. I mean, Navy's there. Uh, so we just didn't want to offend anybody. We wanted to take a stand. We wanted to do what we believed was right, but we wanted to do it unified as a team. Um, but at the same time, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to really stand for what you believe is right. And sometimes that does mean you may, may be hurting certain people's feelings mm-hmm. for what is right or what you believe is right. Um, but as a team, I think we just, everybody kind of got each other back in the locker room. I can say everybody has each other back. Nobody's really critical of each other. Everybody listens to each other, hear uh, one side of the story to the other side of the story. Yeah. Um, and we've been able to be cool with it. We've been, for the most part, unified as a team. So I asked you about, you know, another owner, asked you about your locker room. But what about Jalen Ramsey, just as a man? This, this isn't yep. an issue that's just a workplace issue. This is personal. Sure. You're taking this home. I'm sure whether yeah. it's in social media or even among your friends, you guys are discussing this issue. Yep. Like how are you balancing, you know, the need to use your platform or the desire to use your platform and speak out and stand up for what you believe in with the reality of the situation as it relates to your job and the overall business of the NFL? How are you yeah, balancing Yeah, man. Um, me personally, I take it, I take it you know, I take it to the Bible. I take it to God. Um, I pray about it all the time, man. It, it goes down to love, man. That's what God wants for everybody. He wants everybody to love each other. Um, and that's what I really want people to realize. Like, you can, we can squash all this by loving each other. Mm-hmm. Love, love thy neighbor, you know what I'm saying? Love, um, love people how you want to be loved. Treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah. At the end of the day, um, yeah, it is. It's, it's injustice going on right now. There's inequality going on right now. People need to... Um, they need to face it. Yeah. I mean, it's real. It's in the world. Um, yeah. People don't want to face it right now, and that's not, and that's a reason why we're not getting past it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it is what it is, and I, I just hope that we can continue to grow. Um, whether it's the athletes continuing to use our platform, um, not just sticking to sports, you know, right. using our platform right. to help this world, to help this country, um, and, and whoever else can help. Right. Uh, last thing before we move on to uh, to on the field, the reports that are that the Texans a group of the Texans, yep. uh, among them DeAndre Hopkins, he, he, who skipped practice today, and, and a large group of them wanted to walk yep. out in response to these comments. If that were Shia Khan, if you were in, in that position and the person who directly employs you said something like this, how would you handle it? How do you think you would handle Man, it? Man, um, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't even want to think about being in that situation, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think our owner would do that. Mm-hmm. But... Um, 
I'm not sure, man. It, it, it's kind of an individual thing, how you feel about it individually as a person. Um, yeah, it could turn into a group thing as a as a whole group, as a whole unit, as a whole team. Y'all can decide what y'all going to do. Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to truly stand uh, for what you believe in your heart is right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm guessing that's what DeAndre Hopkins did by not attending practice and leaving to go home. All right, let's get to you individually. The unit of the Jacksonville Jaguars defense been exceptional so far this season. Let's just talk about you. Uh, Pro Football Focus, they have you ranked as the third best corner uh, in the NFL. Yeah. All right. Uh, Is that high enough? (laughs) Uh, You know what? Uh, I don't really trip about that. I don't really trip about the the rankings, the numbers, um, because – like Kendrick Lamar said, my spot is solidified if you ask me. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not really too much worried about it. I know what I do out there on the field. I know what I bring uh, to the table. I know what I can do and how I can help my team uh, win games. And that's that's all I'm really focused on. I ain't really too much worried about anything else. All that's going to come right. with how I'm playing on the field. Man, I know you uh, enjoy the rest of your bye week or the rest of the weekend sure. before you get back to work. I'm sure you'll be watching very closely. Uh, Texans Seahawks, yeah, you know, your division rival Houston Texans who have a lot going on. So thank you for your your, uh, your insight and your commentary on the whole for situation. Appreciate, I appreciate it. you having me, man. All right, bro. Yep. Techno Thursday. That's become a thing around the Seahawks who, unlike the Texans, having fun right now. Players wear short shorts, dance to techno music during practice. Here's Russell Wilson on how this whole thing originated. Luke Wilson really kind of started this. <laughs> um, you know, I guess he, he started wearing short shorts and he started listening to a whole bunch of techno all of a sudden. So we figured it was kind of funny. Yes, I'm wearing the short shorts today. So uh, you guys will get to see my uh, my thighs today. <laughs> we don't need to see the thigh meat, man. It's, no, no, thank you. But it's nice to see him having fun. We see him arguing and pushing and shoving on the sideline. Nice to see him getting loose. We hear about their practice arguments and confrontations and this and the other. Just a bunch of kids having fun. Listen to good old-fashioned techno music. You should have seen the video with them with the box, and it's just it's just crazy. Anyway, uh, Aaron Rodgers says that Vikings linebacker Anthony Barr flipped him off after Rodgers took that shot that broke his collarbone. Rodgers says the cameras caught him saying something to Barr, but they missed him giving the finger and making another gesture toward Rodgers. Typical. Always catch the reactor and not the uh, the initiator of the whole thing. Still, golly, it. It was football. It, it was. I didn't have a problem with that one. Unlike this hit, I don't want to hear Kiko Alonso saying there was no way he could have avoided hitting Joe Flacco and concussing him in last night's game. He could have avoided it. He did what he was supposed to do. He did what he wanted to do. He set out to punish him. He did not slide too late. He knew he was sliding. He went low in order to to make him pay for leaving the pocket. That's what he did. It wasn't a. He's not a dirty player. It wasn't even a dirty play, but it's the kind of play they want out of the game. Meanwhile, Adam Gates confirmed that Jay Cutler is back in. Matt Moore is out. Cutler is back from crack ribs for next Sunday's game against the Raiders. And as, Jay Cutler, as, excuse me, as Adam Gates is unloading on the offense, which was shut out and had 196 yards. I'm pissed. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the offense being awful. And, you know, guys better need, they need to get their, you know, get their heads right. Coaching staff needs to do a better job. Because obviously our players not known is a direct ref- reflection on them. So much to this game. Meanwhile, you had Indominus Sue saying he was just protecting himself against Ryan Mallett. Uh, doesn't regret practically choke slamming Mallett last night. So that penalty was declined in favor of the one on William Hayes, who went curly Larry and Mo Three Stooges when he poked Ravens offensive lineman Austin Howard in the eye. A long time ago, I dubbed him Indominus Sue. What had happened was. Because it's never, it's always accidental. All the kicking was accidental. That was not. 
all frustrated. It's still four and three. Certainly didn't look like a winning team last night. Uh, yeah, so Tiger pleaded guilty to reckless driving today and arrived at the courthouse, which is located on PGA Boulevard in style, looking like the Terminator. Like, you just came from the driving range. It just, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> I, I can't, like, I thought this was Photoshop when I first saw it. I thought this was Photoshop. This is, there's just so many memes being produced here. You know, five years ago today, the Thunder traded James Harden to Houston for Kevin Martin, Jeremy Lamb, and future picks. Daryl Morey certainly remembered. Happy anniversary. Thunder turned out all right. Oh, what could have been, but look what the Rockets got going. Speaking of trades that seem to have worked out in his return to Sacramento, Boogie Cousins, 41 and 23? Man, and, and not just yeah, Garden Variety 41 and 23. He was hitting threes. You're all stepping, folks. Just dominating with Anthony Davis on the sideline. So, free agent after this year, top 20 player easily. I mean, putting up historic numbers early on. Ty Lue putting out a new starting lineup for the Cavs. Fourth different starting lineup. Cavs against those Pelicans will start Derrick Rose, J.R. Smith, LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson on Saturday. Jay Crowder goes to the bench. That's what this whole season is about. Just really figuring it out until they get to the playoffs. A lot of new parts. It'll come together. Not worried about the Cavs. Uh, yo, Aaron Baines, very fortunate that Giannis did not connect on that dunk. Giannis, though, off to that great start, but was upstaged by Kyrie Irving, who looks pretty comfortable on that return to the Mecca court. God, he said he yeah, was overblown in reaction to it, but golly, those handles are ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, Blake Griffin start, also in the MVP conversation. I know it's early, but 25 points, including the buzzer beater. Clippers, one of two unbeaten teams. Where are those people that were like, trade Blake Griffin? Don't re-sign Blake Griffin. Blow it up. Blow it up. I told you they were more intriguing, more interesting without Chris Paul. He's Blake Griffin added a three-pointer. Just stay healthy. And a healthy, happy birthday to Lonzo Ball, who turned 20 today. LeBron gave him a shout-out. I'm not reading into that. Lakers play host to the Raptors tonight at Staples. Let's see how many assists Lonzo can get tonight. He's got nine a game so far. Uh, shots not falling, but that's okay. So happy birthday to Alonzo Ball. Hey, Boston College will wear red bandana-themed uniforms tonight versus FSU on ESPN. It's a tribute to former Eagles lacrosse player uh, Wells Crowther for his heroics during the September 11th attacks. Crowther lost his life that day, but not before leading at least a dozen people to safety in the South Tower. He became known as the Red Man or the Man in the Red Bandana. That's a reference to the signature red handkerchief he always wore under his uh, lacrosse helmet. So, uh, also of note, former BC linebacker and Panthers linebacker Luke Keekley has been cleared from the concussion protocol, expected to play Sunday versus the Bucks. You guys have a good weekend. That's it for the six. Sports Center's on ESPN News. Baseball tonight from Houston is next. We'll see. You.